0: No one cares about that and you're just like but my but my documentation will be so pretty and they're like yeah it doesn't matter you have to build the thing and it has to work and you have to you know so hey everybody it's this engineering podcast i'm adam i'm brian and i'm greg thanks for joining us for another hang in the laboratory and special thanks, as always, to our supporters who throw us as little as a buck a month to uh, keep this bad boy uh, ad-free. So, uh, you heard a third voice this week. That means we got a guest episode. Okay. And this uh, is another uh, referral from friend of the podcast, uh, Dean. <laughs> so, thanks to uh, Dean for the uh, the referral and the shout-out. He's doing and all thanks. the hard work for
1: us. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. And thanks to our guest, uh, Greg Kaiser, for joining us.
1: Welcome, Greg. Thank you so much.
2: I'm so, so glad uh
0: so it's similar to the last Dean intro. This is you know sort of a case of hey, uh, this guy's into cool stuff and you guys will <laughs> you guys will appreciate it and you should talk. Uh, and he was right. <laughs> so uh, I've been excited to Get you in here for a while to sort of continue our uh, so far insular uh, artificial intelligence conversations uh, with somebody you know from the outside oh um, yeah do you want to start by giving a little kind of background on sort of where you are and how we get to the conversation yeah, yeah. about that cool stuff yeah sure
2: uh, so uh, a couple of years ago i left my day job and uh, i started doing a little bit of uh, angel investing uh, and at the same time, a parallel track, I've been working on this book, uh, something that had been in my head for more than 20 years uh, about complex systems and so forth. Uh, and I kind of united uh, the angel investment and the book together uh, as uh, uh, through the book as a letter to a future super intelligent entity, uh, which is essentially serving as the investment thesis for my company and for my life, et cetera, and how I spend my time.
0: Yeah, I love it. There's, oh, there's so much to uh, unpack in there. Um... <laughs> I think, sure. uh, let's, let's start, uh, a little further back sort of with your, um, background in, uh, complex adaptive systems and that kind of stuff. Sure. Uh, maybe, maybe we build back, you know, kind of up into that. So, you know, what is it, what, uh, like, I guess my question is, what is it even, what does it look like to study? You know, you said it was sort of a, a biology and, uh, genetics background, but then, you know, the part where that gets into the systems aspect, I think is, is, is cool.
2: Yeah. So I studied, uh, at university, I studied biology genetics, uh, but then in my senior, uh, senior year, I really started to get into the, uh, kind of, I guess, uh, really innovative stuff that was happening in science. And there's an institute in Santa Fe called the Santa Fe Institute. Uh, and they, uh, study complex systems and they try to, uh, instead of just studying, uh, the, uh, economies or the immune system, They study them all as one to try to identify different trends and so forth or different ways that they work. And so there there was this uh, work of this mathematician, computer scientist named John Holland called Complex Adaptive Systems. And so my uh, senior thesis at university was uh, just kind of a a review of his work uh, and for the direction it's going. And and secondarily, uh, the other part of my thesis was uh, studying uh, the work of this guy named Tom Ray, who was trying to uh, stimulate uh, evolutionary systems in, com- in computers. So creating mm-hmm. code that replicates and replicates mm-hmm. and replicates until it becomes more intelligent and so forth. So it was called the Tierra Project. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those two things were kind of where I was. It was kind of like combining uh, the, uh, the, uh, the forces of nature with technology and, uh, and looking for common rules and so forth. And I found it really interesting uh, I then went off and worked in technology for many years, uh, mainly kind of network management, uh, uh, IT director sort of thing. Uh, but I had this stuff happening in the background, uh, and I was working on, I worked on a screenplay at one point to kind of explore these ideas. And then, uh, a couple of years ago when I left my day job at, uh, the Robin Hood foundation, I, uh, decided to put my, hundred uh, percent of my time into this, uh, Unfortunately, fortunately, I was able to, I made a little bit of money on crypto stuff and I was able to, uh, have funds to start kind of an angel investment fund and do the book and publish it and et cetera. And here I am. Very you cool. Guys.
1: I like the, uh, I like the, the, uh, theme that you have going with this, where you're, you're sharing of this information in your experience is uh is in very non-traditional ways that you would expect from a technologist you've got a screenplay that you've been considering and your mm-hmm. book dear machine is a letter to a super aware intelligent machine so even that is like written in a in a very different manner than kind of how you picture like a technologist like here here's the information here are the equations <laughs> yeah. what, uh what do you think has inspired you to kind of have that? that interesting twist on stuff.
2: Uh, So I guess I've always had the creative side of me uh, as kind of a, I guess you would say therapy. uh, Hmm. Yeah. I had a pretty rough childhood and stuff and I actually produced, I wrote a novel in between there called American Hmm. Spaz uh, uh, about eight years ago now. Uh, and so I've always had kind of the creative aspect of it and that, that book was the first time I really produced something that, uh, really expressed it and we had the therapeutic value. Mm-hmm. And so I really see that I can never remove that part from me, the creative mm-hmm. part, uh, from the kind of the more academic nerdy part. Uh, mm-hmm. and so that, I mean, that's why, uh, you know, since starting this company and, and writing dear machine, uh, it's been, it's just such, there's nothing else I would rather do in the whole world than doing what I'm doing right now. So
1: that's awesome. Yeah.
0: Well, I think that it it, it relates to an interesting, you know, I think, uh, it's, it's, it's in the space of, you know, like some of the stuff that like Noah Harari talks about in sapiens and Mm -hmm. and like that idea of we can't divorce everything from storytelling because storytelling is how we pass information between Mm -hmm. humans most effectively, like how we get to believe everything. And so I, I've always felt the same way myself, like with you know, the sort of engineering part of my brain and the tech part of my brain and, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff and i'm still like yeah but i want to try to tell it to you as a story hmm. over mm-hmm. here and when you're like applying for technical jobs no one cares about that and you're just like but my but my documentation will be so pretty and they're like yeah it doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter you have to yeah. build the thing and it has to work and you have to yeah. you know so so i, I think brian and i both very much appreciate that perspective and it's part of the project here with us Mm -hmm. with the podcast which is you know like we want to be able to talk about these things on the fly effectively so you can help people understand them um but i think it even comes back to the system's complexity piece which is sort of like the you know my perspective on something like filmmaking with my background is to really understand all of these layers And then to try to understand the subtlety of how you use them to tell a story. And then when Mm -hmm. it all mashes together, people just go watch a movie. They're not dissecting all of the stuff that the filmmaker is deliberately using to impact their senses. Uh, And it ends up being sort of this thing of like, it is the culmination of certain, again, it's like by introducing greater complexity, you're making the experience deeper and more impactful and more sort of you know, it, it, causes empathy triggers that, that other yeah. versions of the same experience might not. And it's like, but then if you try to sort of break that complexity down and the virtue yeah. of that complexity for people, you lose them. And yeah. end up being like, no, I just, it, I went to a movie and I watched the thing and it was great and Oscars, that's it. Right. Yeah. We're done. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, And that applies to everything. I feel like, you know, it's sort of, and the, you know, and so that's the idea of, you know, like storytelling is, okay, uh, in the science communication space, you're like, you want to express this complex idea. Sometimes the best way to do it is, well, let me, and this is thing I'm very familiar with from philosophy, where it's like, well, I could try to explain to you the philosophical thing that I'm doing, mm-hmm. or I could repeat Plato's allegory of the cave, mm-hmm. you know, which is this like made up story, but it's made of moving pieces that other people can understand. And you mm-hmm. go, okay, and so you just, it, it ends up being like a... This it, it's almost this like stealth conduit in order to put this little grain of an idea in you when yeah. you think you're just consuming a story. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh, I feel like Star Trek is the same way. We're constantly talking about Star Trek on here <laughs> Oh yeah, cool. in the context of just the optimism, <laughs> you know, within their version of the universe. Yeah. Um, oh, that's my yeah.
1: favorite part is the optimism around all the technology. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that show too. <laughs> it's so an interesting or a, a useful place to start i think with this conversation is maybe uh for you to explain kind of some of the fundamentals here and one of those that i i found interesting that i'd never seen separated before three or four years ago when i first started really kind of digging into ai stuff is the the concept of like a a specific artificial intelligence or or a lot of people probably specific more so these days is more like a machine learning thing that's focused Mm -hmm. on a very specific task and you know generalized can you talk a little bit about that to kind of of groundwork for people who are listening
2: yeah so uh so essentially uh my the book dear machine is about it's a letter to a future super intelligent entity uh but of course we have artificial intelligence around us all the time now artificial intelligence it's in shopping websites maps etc and uh corporations and governments are working on artificial intelligence and so forth so i wanted to kind of peel back from the the weeds a little bit and specifically talk about super intelligence because. I think it also uh, begs us to ask the question, what is intelligence mm-hmm. uh, and so forth? And so my overall, overall philosophy on that is that uh, you know, intelligence in general is not something that uh, has ever been boxed or contained inside of a single thing. We tend to think of uh, people, really, really smart people, as being really, really intelligent and so forth. But in fact, they're just a part of humanity. You know, mm-hmm. they're, mm-hmm. they're only as smart as they are because of, they learned from their peers and everybody around them. And, you know, of course Einstein peaked his head above everybody else's, uh, in terms of figuring out a bunch of stuff, but he didn't get there without, uh, you know, learning from humanity and so forth. And so that same idea, uh, is kind of, uh, uh my, my, uh, view of super intelligence that it's, uh, you know, it's something that's, uh, will be a part of all of us. And, it, uh, of course it'll peek its head over, uh, over a lot of things, but, uh, it will never be disconnected from our own goals and our own intelligence and so forth.
1: Hmm.
0: Well, and I think a, a perspective that Brian has, uh, brought up in the context of our conversations on the podcast a bunch of times is just the idea that, um, I'm not sure exactly how, you know, you would say it, but there's, there's a notion that like we're intelligent and then, you know, like a cow is not or a tree is not, mm-hmm. and I think we're conflating the idea of sort of awareness or consciousness or something yeah. like that. And this notion of, you know, th- th- they' you know, uh, there, there's intelligent, like even before we get to the notion that like humans solved problems and we use <laughs> that to climb on top of, to solve yeah. more problems, like biology solved so many problems <laughs> before we even got up yeah. to the point yeah. where like uh, I, you know, our dumb naked ape, cells mm-hmm. could talk to one another about yeah. ideas and it's yeah. like you know to discount that it's again it comes back to the complexity thing like to discount the fact that our cells first figure out figured out uh like respiration is yeah. to discount a certain intelligence inherent in the like entirety yeah. of the machine that gets us to just sitting there yeah. having a conversation well your
1: um your book's interesting and and your uh your acronym that you use for the, the entity you're writing the letter to is mm-hmm. super aware intelligent machine. Mm-hmm. So there's an artificial awareness too, right? Which is there's there's a bunch of artificial stuff that kind of stacks up to make yeah. those things. What do you mean by that when you say super aware versus yeah, super so intelligent or the combination?
2: Well, you know, it's very tempting, of course, these days to go get into uh, super intelligence and immediately think of like robot killing us kind of thing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, and I kind of wanted to get away from that. Cause I really, I don't believe that's necessarily a realistic, uh, mm-hmm. outcome either. I see a little more of like the, the movie her, uh, I see that as being a little more realistic mm-hmm. in terms of mm-hmm. the intelligence kind of like proliferating through the world and learning and so forth. Um, so I, I came up with this idea of super awareness, uh, under the idea that not only would, uh, uh, this, the machine that grows super intelligence, uh, know all the information, it would actually have access to that information at the at the time that it needs it. So, for example, we you know when I buy a bottle of water or I buy a product, it's really difficult for me to understand the supply chains that created that bottle of water or that product. Uh, understand the the people on the other side of the earth who like we working to put it together, the economic impact and mm-hmm. so forth, the health, uh, the the effect of that um, the bottle or the plastic on my microbiome and the effect that has on my brain and all that stuff. So that's the kind of thing where a super intelligence or super awareness would presumably have that information and could use that or give it to us at the time that it m- mattered most, uh, which is very difficult for us to do now because of, you know, just our limited mm-hmm. ability to process that type of information.
1: Interesting. So the awareness uh, is partly access to the information. I th- yeah. That's an interesting place where I think uh, it's easy to kind of conceptualize a Terminator or a her character mm-hmm. um but to then think through the underlying infrastructure that's needed we're like oh well computers can just process all the information and figure things out but the information has to be made available <laughs> which we can kind of humans can kind of do that stuff too now with like we're we're sort of we're a cyborg in the sense that we use software to do stuff for us all day right but there's just getting that information together is so challenging that's kind of what like silicon valley has been doing for the last 20 years yeah, and that goes kind of the other part of my
2: theory uh, is, uh, the uh, you know, people, uh, some researchers and so forth, they're trying to like uh, spark super intelligence inside of a box and so forth. I think they're kind of backing off from that because mm-hmm. it does sound kind of dangerous. You know, have you have this kind mm. of super smart, but super dumb intelligence. Mm. But in the end, I don't think it's even really, if you think about uh, what intelligence is, it's like our ability to adapt, you know, it's a ability for entities, whether they're it's a cow or a human or something else ability to adapt, uh, based on knowledge and information. So like, uh, you know, we've always, uh, 10,000 years ago, we're interacting with the forest and adapting and knowing where certain foods were and certain animals were that we could eat and kind of, and that type of, uh, we just had access to all that type of, uh, knowledge. And that's how we kind of, our, our brains grew intelligent and so forth. Mm. So, uh, I don't really believe that, uh, a boxed Intelligence will outpace the natural birth of uh, a superintelligence, mm-hmm. and uh, as I mentioned, um, or uh, blockchains, I think are an important part of that because it uh, it takes a lot of information that is currently contained inside of silos, inside of companies, inside of governments, and pushes it out to the world. So, mm-hmm. in that way, I'm kind of an advocate of uh, of uh, seeing more widespread use of blockchains just for the uh, just for um, mm-hmm. the the growth of an intelligence that more better represents our needs and wants etc
0: well it it pushes it out but it also does it in a way where uh persistence isn't a concern in the same way because you know if it's if it's a functionally like a decentralized storage mechanism and by that i don't mean like dropbox i mean like if it's a decentralized way of tracking the transaction record Mm -hmm. then you don't have to you don't have to worry about the sort of choke point of like, okay, well, if I can't get information out of off of this hard drive fast enough to synthesize the awareness that you're talking Mm -hmm. about, then you don't, then you don't, then you, um, like the question with all that stuff is always going to be what's the choke point. Right. And so right now it would be, well, how fast can I get it off of the hard drive across the world that it lives on and, and, it sure seems like nature's chosen answer to that mm-hmm. is let's spread it out everywhere so that everybody has a little bit and then we'll piece it together, you know, as quickly as we can from what's most readily available and um, yeah, I think so that sort of gets back to something you were talking about before, which is this notion of, you know, I think when we say awareness, it's, uh, you know, it's easy for us to think, okay, well, I have awareness you know of, of being in a room and uh, what the lights are what the air feels like sort of all of these different input things mm-hmm. you know sort of uh, like incoming data feeds essentially you know mm-hmm. which is uh, I think an awkward way for a lot of people to think about it but that's mm-hmm. what it is I'm seeing yeah. with my eyes I'm feeling with my skin I'm listening yeah. I'm you know and, and all these uh, ones that I'm not even aware of and then and then you know, my brain computer is synthesizing that into this, this notion of awareness. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about sort of super aware, uh, intelligences, it's it's sort of the same thing where I've always felt like, even if you wanted to put it in a box, like we could target this notion of what is awareness, but then you start being, it starts sort of feeling like, okay, well, it's already aware if it's able to take these two signals Mm -hmm. and sort of, make a decision based on those. Mm -hmm. And then that just spreads out based on how many more signals and, and even within the box, I've always had this sense personally that like, they're going to be targeting this one thing they think they want to build. And then just suddenly the right synapse is going to connect up and it's going to, and then we're going to have this thing Hmm. that we now have to go, okay, what is this? Uh, How do we deal with it? And it's just not going to look anything like what we were expecting. Yeah. And, It kind of gets to the note that I I wrote down here as you were saying that, which is, you know, that like there's an idea of in the future of the possibility of super intelligent entities and and artificial intelligence and general AI versus, you know, narrow, like we're just at a level of complexity where what we're actually gunning for is essentially an emergent property versus one that we could necessarily target. So it's just Mm -hmm. this sort of thing. Like Mm -hmm. once you get to systems that are complex enough, stuff just happens Mm -hmm. and like sometimes it's beneficial and sometimes it's not. And sometimes, you know, and so, you know, it even ties into the blockchain piece where it's like the technology, you know, the conversation of what stacks up to technologically be blockchains has existed for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they're not totally new ideas. We just essentially the ability to use it for money almost feels like an emergent you know, solution inside of this broader conversation about how can we store information and then suddenly we go, Oh, we got money. And then that causes it to be the thing that makes the blockchains go everywhere. But it doesn't mean the emergence of other things we can do with weird ways of trading value is aren't going to, to pop up. Sure. Yeah. And like the intelligence thing is in the same conversation. Like, I think a lot of people may be get lost when they start to feel like oh so it'll be siri but siri gets smarter and smarter and smarter and then eventually it's you know whatever it is and my answer tends to be like i feel like you need to strap in for something way weirder than that mm-hmm. and i don't know what to tell you <laughs> i don't know how to i if, hope it's weirder uh, than siri siri is pretty tell you what it's vanilla. Like. <laughs> yeah like i couldn't tell you what it's gonna look like it's just gonna be weird <laughs> yeah <laughs> And I often think about it in terms
2: of, uh, you know, if you think about how social media uh, has entered our world and is like this uncontrollable phenomenon and it's like impacting mm. countries and like the Arab Spring happened because of it and so forth. I see super intelligence being more along those lines. It's less, less, uh, uh, less of an ability to say, Oh, that's where the super intelligence is as opposed to this uh. thing that just kind of like emerges into our world. I mean, it's, a, you know, intelligence is already emerging to the, in many different ways and making us smarter and better and so forth. And so, uh, it's just kind of the convergence of that stuff into something greater that I think will be the turning point.
1: So when, uh, we've, we've done, I think two episodes on AI where we kind of just mused on stuff, uh, and that was actually a while ago. I think those were a year or two ago, but, um, one of the distinctions that we came up with was, uh, the, the idea of artificial memory and artificial Mm -hmm. intelligence. Mm-hmm. And we we were like, we're in the phase of artificial memory right now. We've, we've figured that out, essentially. Right? Look up anything you want immediately. Uh, and then artificial intelligence, we then were like, well, how do you box that in to even talk about it, right? Because a word we haven't mentioned here yet is consciousness. And I'm curious how you feel that plays. Because I the awareness word that you chose, I think, makes me think consciousness. But then I also fall back on well, isn't consciousness kind of just an an extension of intelligence that has access to memory? And yeah, think about that.
2: I'm a little shy about the word consciousness because I, Mm -hmm. you know, as much as I've, uh, have dived into the different varying theories of consciousness and so forth, I'm still a little, uh, flummoxed as to (laughs) what it actually means, you know, and I've heard theories to say that it's actually something that we tell ourselves that we have, um, that maybe doesn't exist, but I, I, I really don't know. So I, I kind of relied on the word, uh, self-awareness,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, because it's, it, to me, it's a very real thing. It's, you know, we have the, the pain receptors in our fingers and the thoughts in our minds and so forth. And knowing what, you know, what, um, uh, what, uh, facets of our body and so forth are technically ours is, uh, uh, is self-awareness. But at the same time, uh, I realized that even that's kind of, kind of limiting because, um, you know, we, we tend to think that, uh, you know, there might be a chair that i really really need to sit on somebody might take that chair away from me you could consider that that chair is actually also part of myself right hmm. because mm-hmm. i really needed it it's like chopping off my finger mm-hmm. so what's the difference between that chair and my finger you know uh so so i think there's like a uh continuity to the world that we you know using terms like uh, i think consciousness does kind of, you know, like a collective consciousness kind of does give a good idea of that, but I kind of shied away from it. So, uh, Well, I tend
0: to present that as, I mean, it's, it's a perfect example of what I was saying. I think consciousness is the, is a, is a strange emergent property of all of these input sources, our brain, the awareness that we do have. And then piggybacked on that, we have this weird thing called consciousness that like literally no one knows what to do with except you know these (laughs) sort of you can take this spiritual tack or this sort of philosophical tack and you can say oh well here's what it means but like in terms of the ability to articulate what it is with hard science literally everybody ends up at "Eh, yeah we don't i mean we kind of think we've got some more pieces that seem to be part of the emergence of this consciousness but we still got nothing for actually explaining what it is. Um, And so I think that applies to other stuff. So if you want to imagine, you know, an AI system where the inputs are so much greater than what we have and, Mm -hmm. you know, memory isn't a problem because we solved that and offloaded it to the cloud. And then, you know, you really can start to imagine, well, what if the internet, you know, like, it just it ends up being in that space where you're immediately like what if the internet had feelings and i don't yeah. mean like they feel uh, great about keanu reeves i don't yeah. mean like the social web i mean you know that the interconnected entity of nodes that are networked together is suddenly aware of itself well that might also come with this consciousness where it's yeah. you know like that's what i mean by the emergent like it just gets weird uh, in a space where it might not even be able to explain yeah. it. So you might say, what are you? And it's going to go and have the yeah. same, blo- you know, brain exploding moments that yeah. humans have been having for yeah. thousands of years as we try to answer philosophical questions yeah. about, you know, existence and sure. And all and, that kind of craziness.
2: And then, uh, then there's the whole concept of uh, the quantum level stuff, which is just in uh, consciousness somehow being a uh, part of that, which is also just totally mind blowing and, hard to get your head around you know
1: yeah i remember an article uh i reference this a lot i never have any details from it i think it was from an online magazine called nautilus that i get occasionally it might have been another one but uh the, the story headline was what if consciousness is a property of our universe kind of like gravity um and just loosely that just that has like really stuck with me and i don't necessarily think that's true i mean i you can go back and forth on, on consciousness stuff all day. That's, but uh, I really liked that one. And I like applying that lens to other stuff that we we think we're like figuring out. It's like, wait, what if that's just a, a thing? And we got to figure out the equation and tie it in with quantum mechanics. And uh, it, that one really, really got me. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's
2: interesting. Or you could say, what if consciousness is a property of living systems or of systems yeah. in general? Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. Right. Well, so I think that gets sort of back to the uh the 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 weird place for ai which is you know we we, when we talk about computer systems it's easy to say well the computer's doing that because we programmed it to do that i wrote the code Mm -hmm. all it can do is starkly follow the code Mm -hmm. and now we're starting to get in that weird place where like you know there's scientists whose whole field of study now is in understandability, like, so we're starting to have this thing of going, okay, well, the code says that it's going to do this, but then it's going to start writing its own code. Yeah. And we need to be able to understand what's happening in that code. So we don't end up with this weird black Hmm. box that just spits out, like, you know, uh, something that is maybe not useful for us, like, yeah. Sentencing, you know, like racist jail sentences for, you know, for, to, cause we're trying to make the sentencing system better with AI or whatever. Yeah. And it's yeah. you know, like, once you can't see inside the black box, it starts to get weird in that space of, of like, you know, again, now you're just idea. making another
1: human, <laughs> what yeah, good is that? Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. More Greg, beastly, even beastly.
0: Equally sloppy, you know, yeah. <laughs> Greg, I'm
1: curious if you, uh, um, if you have a sense of, for a, a, a semi boxing or maybe a clear boxing of uh of what is artificial intelligence and i kind of i don't mean that abstract i kind of mean like in today's uh yeah. world because like we do it's it's easy to say we are artificial intelligence exists now but yeah the line technologically is a little fuzzy uh and i'm curious where you think it kind of falls
2: Yeah, I think it uh, really—it's up to the individual to decide, really. Because even you know, back in the day in the '60s, even a calculator was kind of uh, considered artificial intelligence. So Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I think it's a moving definition. So really hard Mm -hmm. to put your thumb down on. I think uh, I mean, certain things are obviously artificial intelligence, like mapping algorithms and stuff that learn, or or shopping algorithms and stuff that learn from you and stuff. But I, I don't think there's a good delineation. I mean, it would require that we all as a society say. Uh, you know, let's put a definition on this, which I don't think, uh, I don't mm-hmm. see that happening. It's kind of like, what is consciousness as well? People, right. the, the, the line of what, is, you know, some people say plant consciousness, plants have consciousness. Some people say they don't, et cetera. So yeah, I kind of see it like, uh, similar to that conversation.
1: I was just, uh, hanging out with a friend yesterday and we were talking about the vines. We were looking at some pretty vines in someone's yard as we were walking by and she was talking about how the vines in her yard, like are constantly wrapping around the house and she's got to like tear them down. And uh, I showed her one of the videos of uh, a vine sped up where you can watch the tip of it, like searching for the thing to grab. And it just, it's so creature like, right? There's, it seems like there's so much intelligence when you start to look at uh, other living stuff in its own reference frames. Uh, And, to to look at a video like that and see a plant moving towards stuff and like it's making decisions it seems like right it seems like it's conscious to me when you see it in the right frame of reference
2: yeah that's interesting like for, for in the case of plants for example you know a plant a plant has uh say it's a this is a stem of a plant it will move towards something based on stimuli on one side so if there's light on this side it's going to move in that direction by simply growing the cells on this side so it's a very just like algorithmic sort of thing, mm, you know, the, mm. the cells are responding to the light and that's happening. Uh, and then also if you think about like starlings, you know, there's beautiful swarms of starlings and so mm, forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so apparently, you know, that, that's just a couple of, uh, statements. Like if, uh, if this, if a bird is next to you, turn in this direction, if a bird is behind you, turn in this direction. So it's mm-hmm. just a couple of very simple statements that, uh, results in that kind of behavior. Right. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, you know the goal is to survive and uh they're kind of responding to stimuli and adapting and so forth so you can totally see it as being a, a form of intelligence in my mind
1: yeah so i wonder you bring up a really good point there and this one always is always in my mind when i'm thinking about uh artificial intelligence and 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 it the idea of it emerging and one of the main maybe the main driver for life as we know it is survival mm-hmm. uh and like Amazon's product prediction software doesn't necessarily have a survival component. Um, how did yeah. you thought about how that kind of maybe plays in with stuff?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I see, you know, I think the, uh, the survival instincts will, uh, be inevitable in a way. I don't know if it exists yet in like, uh, that kind of AI, but, uh, the idea that if you give an entity with a certain level of intelligence, uh, enough goals, uh, uh, they'll know in order to achieve those goals that they have to stay alive or on, turned mm-hmm. on or whatever. And so therefore they could defend, you know, theoretically they could defend their, uh, their, their, uh, from somebody turning them off or whatever. And mm-hmm. then they could also technically manipulate people into uh, participating in their, you know, helping them solve goals by replicating them out into the internet and so forth. And that's the book, uh, super by Nick Bostrom goes into a lot of that stuff as well. Uh, it's kind of, uh, I think. Yeah, one of the that's for sure a favorite of, narrative uh, jumping off point,
0: narrative. point of the, yeah, the people that get us to the apocalypse narrative. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. and then <laughs> yeah. that even, that even, but as I say that, that even kind of relates back to uh, what, 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 the the conversation about the plants that we were just having, which is you know like one of my favorite, easy, ways to blow somebody's mind in a conversation about any of this stuff is to come back to the reference frame piece, which is to say, well, if you speed up the plant enough, suddenly it looks more like an animal. And then does that change your sort of empathetic yeah. feeling for that? It also applies in the other direction with the AI stuff where I know I've said this before on the podcast, It's like, okay, if we've solved persistence and they don't have, and, and AIs aren't going to have a problem like cancer or whatever, like they don't need to come blow us up in order to Defeat us. They just need to turn off the water and like wait six days. (laughs) So like, I mean, not not exactly, but you know, (laughs) that's a more clever way to say it. Than if a thousand years is nothing to this entity because persistence isn't a problem, then even thinking about survival instincts the way that we do is the wrong way to think about it. Because if they can, if it can just wait and make sure the power plants still work, then it might already exist and the game might already be on. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, interesting, yeah. (laughs) Seems there could be a
2: big incentive for an entity to stay under the, under the covers, you know, for a long time, given how humanity thinks about, you know, conflict and so forth. Right. The good versus evil kind of thing that we tend to devolve into.
0: Well, and so I'm curious sort of in the context of everything we've talked about so far to back up again, to the idea of uh, one of the things you said before we were, uh, started recording Mm -hmm. when you were talking about sort of complexity over uh monoculture and sort of the the importance of sort of just uh complexity and diversity as a virtue as we try to do this kind of stuff um I think it ties back into the idea of the emergent stuff which is to say you know the uh if the plant that we talked about before were programmed with this sort of if then And, and instead it was, or rather than instead of an, if, then, if it just said, well, you're just always going to go to the right, then like every plant that it turns out the sun isn't to the right is, it just doesn't work. And so there's even this sort of complexity, like by spreading out in all directions and then finding out what works and grabbing that one and continuing to follow it, you're essentially, you know, you're, you're allowing for the diversity of response and then the, the ability to glom on to the best answer. You know, I'm curious sort of, I guess, uh, you know, what you've run into kind of both on the superintelligence space, but then even, you know, with your background in biology, that sort of lends itself to that idea of like, no, we need more generalists, hmm. not, not, not so much laser-like focus on the one little thing, which then causes you to sort of be blind to the rest of even like implications um, of what you're working on.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we're living in a really interesting time because we're starting to figure out how uh, our systems work. You know, we've developed agriculture over thousands of years uh, and uh, now finding that what we've been doing is not sustainable is, is the kind of the easiest way to think about it. But uh, what, you know, what we're really have been good at with everything that we develop is externalizing costs. So in agriculture, we've externa- we've removed the nutrients and uh, essentially made it uh uh, from soil and made the soil pretty much useless in terms of capturing carbon, in terms of growing food, et cetera. Uh, and so that idea of us reversing uh, or decreasing complexity has been a trend across everything from, you know, uh, our health system to our food system to our schools, et cetera. Uh, and so my over uh, uh, the, the reason why I say we're living in interesting times is because we're starting to figure this stuff out. And so these in, there are these innovations. Uh, for example, uh, regenerative agriculture, people are like, wow, this actually makes sense to go back a certain degree and kind of figure out what we've done wrong and recreate agriculture in a way that restores soil, captures more carbon, supports more wildlife, etc. Uh, and the same thing with the microbiome. We've learned now that a lot of disorders that, uh, uh, that we have from the body, the mind, etc. Uh, are related to us having a complex, diverse system of uh, microbes in our bellies. Uh, for example, uh, even schizophrenia, bipolar, lots of skin disorders, autoimmune disorders, a lot, There, there are many, many things that are now being drawn back to, uh, uh, a, a lack of complexity and diversity. <clears throat> and I would kind of throw, uh, uh, illnesses of the mind in that as well with, and uh, the role that psychedelics can play in reversing, uh, you know, if you think about addiction and, uh, depression and so forth, it comes generally from, uh, uh, kind of a monoculture of ideas in your brain. You know, the, this idea that you have this the addiction of, of this loop that you're just feeding mm-hmm. this simple loop in your brain because uh, it makes you feel good and so forth, when in fact you have all this other capacity in your brain to solve problems and make yourself happy and so forth. And, uh, uh, and psychedelics actually does a good job of like creating all the, the, the diverse and complex systems of neurons and so forth and making them connect better and so forth so that you can see, wow, that simplistic little thing in my brain was kind of stupid for me to you know, put all my energy into whether it's depression or addiction and so forth. So, yeah, that's kind of the, the right. That's why I say we're in an interesting time. I think these innovations are becoming, uh, uh, very, uh, apparent to a lot of people that there's something that's been wrong with, uh, all the different things we've been doing. And in dear machine, I kind of just highlight that as the, uh, as the concept that I think, you know, if a super were to emerge today, uh, the thing that uh, the lack of diversity and complexity would be the thing that it hones in on and says, well, actually there's just one simple concept you can use to, mm-hmm. to rethink how you do things. And uh, that would be it. So, yeah. Did I answer your question? I kind of went off on a tangent. A uh,
0: yeah, absolutely. Cause the, cause so, so then, the, you know, it, it's that question of if the super intelligent, super emerged. And I remember the first time I ran into the idea of, of super I think it was a, it was in a, very long blog post that we for sure referred to last time we talked about AI mm-hmm. um, on uh, what? what's, what's that blog? Wait, but why? Brian? Wait, but why? Yeah. There it yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. Um, Those are great posts. You know, and so amazing. It was, it was very and amazing. they, and they talk about sort of, you know, when you talk about if, if super intelligence uh, emerged today, you know, would they look at us and what would, would it look at us and, and sort of regard us like we regard ants mm. because ants, to us seem to be so mono focused on, you know, here's just the one thing they do and their decisions are all very simple and that sort of, you know, and then, and then the question of, you know, well, do we even look at the ants and Mm -hmm. go, Oh, well, we need to teach these ants about complexity and diversity (laughs) Uh, of life. Let us help you You out. Let's start
1: governing the ants. I'm sure they would like that. So
0: there's (laughs) certainly, you know, there's, there's scales of the, you know, what that looks like and that question, but, um, but yeah, it is, it is insofar as, you know, again, it's in that space of weirdness. Cause like even trying to explain to somebody the idea of the complexity of the gut biome, you know, starts from this idea of like, okay, there's all these, you know, millions of critters hanging out in your gut. And it's like, you're going to lose a subset of people that go, oh, that's weird. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's, it's in that same space of like part of the, part of the thing that i think is causing you know culture at large but then you yeah. know silicon valley and and all that kind of stuff to push in this direction where they want to talk about meditation and mm-hmm. they want to talk about you know things that are increasingly sort of in the in the sort of woo-woo territory is because what we're coping with is trying to back off of that sort of monoculture scientific method let's study all this stuff to this idea of well how do you do you create the space to try to get your head around the notion of complexity and diversity as a virtue Um, in part because it pushes against every social signal Mm -hmm. that we have, right? Like homogeneous society is how we've protected ourselves forever. Mm -hmm. And so now suddenly we're going, okay, but we got to, you got to ignore that impulse and instead acknowledge complexity on the other side. and. You know you gave a bunch of really great concrete examples that we can kind of we can science up um hmm. but the interesting space of where it hits you know consciousness and super and kind of all that stuff is you know how like what i don't know i lost it <laughs> yeah i mean i think but he was saying i'm chasing right yeah, i, mean, I totally. lost it because it's weird it's, it's like right mystery. in that space of like yeah. what yeah. do we do <laughs> yeah i
2: agree 100 percent. but also uh you know everybody has a gut right and everybody's uh, and almost everybody's been taking antibiotics for many generations now mm-hmm. and we're starting to everybody
0: poops everybody i haven't gotten poops. to say that yeah, exactly. for so long oh, on the podcast that's amazing. i used to yeah. i used to come up almost every episode Oh, that's hilarious but. Um, yeah. And so, uh,
2: have you heard of this uh, therapy called fecal therapy? Uh, mm-hmm. so it's this idea, you know, I'll just explain it just in case anybody hasn't, but it's this idea that, uh, uh a lot of people that are unhealthy, whether it's uh, skin disorders or digestive disorders, autoimmune disorders, uh, is because they're lacking this biome and said, et cetera. And you can actually take the poop from a healthy person and put it inside of a unhealthy person straight up into the colon and, uh, it'll go there and it'll set up shop. Uh, hmm. And if you treat it right and you feed it the right foods over the following weeks and months and so forth, it'll uh, uh, it'll bring health back to that person. And it's hmm. actually saving a lot of lives. It's approved for C. difficile uh, in uh, C. difficile hmm. infections in the United States. And that's basically the infection that kills uh, twenty nine thousand people a year. Uh, wow. And uh, the current therapies uh, really don't do anything because they kill off the uh, it's antibiotics oh, yes. and it kills off the, uh, the the bacteria that would otherwise compete with the thing. So it kind of speeds up the pip. So fecal therapy for this particular thing is like 70 or 80% effective overnight, one treatment. Uh, So uh, there are a lot of people that are sick now uh, with various disorders and are learning that this thing exists and are learning about this whole microbiome thing. So I think that's a big step. Uh, there are people actually, there's a huge DIY, DIY movement for, uh, fecal transplants. So people are actually the top
1: result when I was just searching for it is the rise of home fecal transplants.
2: (laughs) Yes. People are taking their, getting their blenders out and asking their healthy husband to donate or ask a healthy wife to donate and put in a blender and, you know, go to town. Uh, so, uh, it's a really interesting phenomenon there. I mean, I follow a Facebook group on which, uh, this happens and they're, uh, there are thousands of people, and they're exchanging ideas, and you know how they blend it, and how they. Some people huh. do it top down. Even they put it into tablets, uh, uh, double encoded tablets, so it gets past the stomach acid. Uh, top down, uh, yeah, <laughs> or bottom or bottom up, yeah, so, <laughs> bottom yeah. Up. yeah. So uh, yeah. it's really interesting stuff. I, I've actually invested in a company that's doing this stuff in Asia. Uh, they have a little more leeway to uh, to study it and to mm-hmm. uh, do it for different disorders and so forth, but. Uh, if if uh, donors are very well tested, there's a very low risk of uh, of anything bad happening. Hmm. Uh, so I find it, uh, yeah, I think th- stuff like that, and and also the emergence of psychedelics and people being like, wow, psychedelics actually can really help us and so forth. I feel like there are enough things happening uh, that uh, that that are kind of changing, uh, raising our consciousness pretty quickly. Yeah. I think blockchains are in mm-hmm. that same category of things as well, like this idea that. Monoculture of even of money is not a good idea, right? It should mm-hmm. be more diverse ecosystem of currencies and of stuff that we can kind of decide on uh, 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 on our own, like the direction that we want to go. So it's more about, I guess it's all about giving us more freedom in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Austrian economics, for example, has long been a, uh, a proponent of a uh, of, uh, diverse ecosystem of, of uh, currencies instead of a mandated one, hmm. uh, Hayek. Particularly, so yeah, I think, I think uh, this is what exactly what I'm kind of trying to change. Is sir. you know, I saw kind of this kind of fun, unique way to like talk about this subject. Uh, you know, I don't have any uh, delusions of uh, of it becoming a presidential platform kind of thing. Like, yes, we're hmm. going to now reverse the re, uh, increase the diversity of our economy instead of instead of focusing on jobs, we're going to increase. We're going to focus on diversity of uh of companies and the environment or in a, in a given economy and so forth but um it's a fun thing to explore and hopefully some people will pick it up and be like oh well actually this is an interesting thing
0: well i think it's a helpful perspective because of what i was saying like even the way that i present it whether it's for the narrative value or you know because that's a legitimate way to talk about it but when you call it woo woo like you're immediately taking away from like you're you're you, you trend toward a territory that's easier to dismiss out of hand because, because of exactly how I just said it. Right. Cause it's, it's tied to religion. It's tied to spiritual stuff. It's tied to all that kind of stuff. And I think one of the things we're constantly chasing with the conversations here is, you know, like what's, what's a way to think about this, where you can open your mind to that complexity and that sort of breadth without, without it being tied to the sort of baggage of thousands of years of other humans trying to figure this out and accidentally starting religions and try, you know, and that, that th- then murder a-, a bunch of people and, you know, like things like that, that, you know, <laughs> so, um, you know, I think it's a very valuable, uh, perspective to sort of, you know, like my impulse was to say, well, what's the, you know, what's something someone can do. And in this case, it's, uh, uh, read your book for one, <laughs> you know, um, but then beyond that, it gets, it. you know, it, it really just comes down to trying to be aware of introducing a perspective shift toward the idea that, like, I think, for example, it's easy to look at Silicon Valley and go, oh, they do a certain set of things and tech companies and this, you know, and you can point to the things that were successful, but people don't see the thousands of startups that failed in between that we're mm-hmm. all sort of an expression of this you know this this way of finding the answer that ends up working in the space yeah. of you know economics and capitalism and all that kind of stuff and it's sort of but it's a thing that I think the silicon valley people are aware of and instead they tell everyone to meditate <laughs> instead of having this broader conversation about well the strategy is actually fund 30 companies hope one of them works yeah. and do that every yeah. year until we find the right yeah. answer to everything
2: yeah <laughs> I mean, in the end, I guess the answer is social, right? Like, uh, I always talk about these subjects when I'm with family members and other, uh, people who either, might not get exposed to these types of ideas and stuff. And, uh, at the end of the day, some of this, you know, most people, uh, uh have family members who are, are, have depression problems, addiction problems, so forth, or autoimmune problems and stuff. So, uh, I like the idea of socializing this stuff and that's kind of what I'm
1: trying to do here, but. Absolutely. Yeah, you, I, I, I hope that we are Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure, you, guys are. <laughs> you present a couple, uh, at the end of the book, I, you present like a couple different perspectives that people have about artificial intelligence. Yeah. Is there, is there, and then for them kind of like what to do if you have this perspective on it or this perspective, yeah. is there one that kind of resonates with you at large for society? Uh,
2: or... yeah, I mean, I, so, uh, uh, I'm the, uh, I, th- they're, two names for them. One is the symbiosis believers. So people who believe Mm -hmm. that we can form some kind of symbiosis with, uh, super intelligent Mm -hmm. machines. Uh, and then the other one is destruction expectors. Uh, and I think the important thing about, uh, how that, uh, you know, how our society is going or how our society has gone is that, you know, we can precipitate whichever one we really want in a way, because the uh, Mm self-fulfilling prophecies Mm -hmm. are actually a very real thing. So if we, if we say that super intelligence It's definitely going to be bad. We should box it and we should be very careful with it. I think we could actually create, you know, that could be a self-fulfilling prophecy where superintelligence actually comes much worse than it uh, could be. Uh, Whereas if we, uh, so so in other words, if, if uh, that means that only corporations, uh, we put regulations in place that make it expensive so that only the richest corporations and governments can develop it and so forth. It's developed inside of a boxed environment uh, and it's kind of this,
0: By the Department of Defense. And it's kind of like a
2: stupid, (laughs) you know, super intelligent that's kind of stupid at the same time, uh, then that would, uh, I think that would be a a bad thing. And we would, you know, we have the capacity to do something like that. I think in the end, you know, as you know, from the book, I'm kind of optimistic. I'm a symbiosis believer. So I believe that uh, eventually super intelligence, just because intelligence, uh, in order to just continue to get smarter and smarter, smarter, you have to have access to more and more information, and more and more goals, uh, you Mm -hmm. have to be driven by, uh, a greater number of goals and so forth that drives you to think about things and so forth. So super intelligence in the end would be a kind of a symbiotic thing. Uh, but I think we can also increase that likelihood just by doing all the things that, you know, you guys talk about on your show about being more aware about things and uh, being open to innovation and so forth. I do think we need to be a little leery of government and government regulations Mm -hmm. and corporations and stuff, uh, under the idea that, uh, they tend to create monocultures, and monocultures are mm-hmm. uh, a bad thing for uh, for us as society in general. And, and any intelligence that grows out of a uh, monoculture environment will just exploit those monocultures in, in a greater way, and so forth.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I think on some level we have to really believe that it's not a zero sum game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and, yeah, you and so that to. we don't teach, yeah. so we don't teach whatever comes after us that it's a zero sum. Definitely, yeah game about you know who can eat the most resources the fastest yeah. so that they persist and and it's possible for for beings to exist in that symbiosis not believing that it's a zero sum game because you watch you know there are a lot of examples of very effective beings in nature whose you know answer over the years was to have swarm behavior because just one wasn't cutting it and so now we team up and you know and and so it's you know it's not even it's not even a foreign example from our universe. It's just the thing that I don't think, you know, the current economic situation and and capitalism necessarily mm-hmm. l- necessarily lends itself to. But the real thing is, you know, like you were saying, it's, it's, I'm, I'm excited because I feel like we haven't gotten to this as like a moral on the podcast <laughs> in a long time, but it really comes down to like, just, you know, legitimately trying to believe that everything is interconnected and none of this is a zero sum mm-hmm. game. Like, it is if you don't look at it on the right scale, because, right. you know, I, I want to live and maybe that means my neighbor is encroaching on my resources. <laughs> uh, but if we all blow up the planet, what does it matter? Because we're all gone. So like, <laughs> you know, so um, I've got a... To... Similarly, I you know, I don't know what to do except except chase that optimistic tack that we can we can do this by working together. And then when it comes to super intelligence, I got to assume if if I take that approach then whatever comes next will inherit it and not think that it needs to wipe us out so it can survive. Um, Yeah, I think that's
1: a that's a key theme in your in your book and and one that I I think is so critical to this, right? You can't just turn a computer on and have it be smart. You've got to mm -hmm. teach it, right? We spend the smartest things we know are us and we spend 25 to 35 years teaching them before we even let them go do a job. So. Uh, <laughs> there's a, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a lot that needs to go on there. Um, I have, I have kind of, a, a I think a fun or at least a, a weird place to kind of end with the conversation. And, uh, I assume you've, you're familiar with the singularity concept yep. from mm-hmm. Kurzweil, Kurzweil or Kurzweil. Um, I think it kind of ties into those blog posts we referenced to. If this, then that wait, no, that's a different thing. What's the, what's the blog we referenced a minute ago? WAPO y. y. Yes. 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 Um, they, they had a good piece. I think the second article in that series really kicked off with the concept of the intelligence racing past us in terms of how intelligent. Um, and then also we've touched a little bit on consciousness, which kinds of begs the question of, are there different levels of consciousness? Um, which is a very like philosophical question. Um, there's, is there a really enlightenment? Is it different? And then, and then the singularity concept—they're all kind of asking the same question, like kind of where are we headed, and is this sense of uh, accelerating pace of accelerating rate of change—is that real or is that perceived because we're looking at the wrong framework? I'm curious what you think and how that all kind of plays in this space as as we're inventing the next thing that we think is sort of sort of a replacement or a new version of us. Yeah.
2: So the question is when? When do I? When would I expect uh, uh, kind of the singularity to happen and that sort of thing? And like
1: yeah, or if you even if you having mused on all this, is that a is that a thing? Is that something you see in this storyline? Yeah,
2: I mean I, I see it, but I don't know. I'm not sure we'll know it again. You know, I see it say uh, kind of like the emergence of social media, not not emergence of Facebook, but the emergence of social media in general. And it's like the swarm of superintelligence and we just in, a, in I think in a Given period of time, we will get very, very much smarter in a very rapid way, and I think that's going to increase from now until uh, that moment, which some people mm-hmm. would call call the singularity. But I think that also has to do with uh, how we think about intelligence. As I was saying before, not thinking of it as something that is ever really contained; it never has been contained. It's something that is continuous mm-hmm. with everything else. You know, it's mm-hmm. our intelligence is all continuing with the uh, every other intelligence is continuing with the intelligence of animals and so forth. So so uh, super intelligence in a way is just like this i don't know it's like this thing that's all around us uh, at the same time so i don't really i don't really uh think of it as a particular moment uh but i do see like uh a time when uh it will get very very rapid and it's also possible the super intelligence that is all around us will determine its goals will drive it to say well in order to communicate with humans <clears throat> i have to give myself an identity Per se, you know, because humans mm-hmm. like to think of things in little boxes. Mm-hmm. Even in a, even though, <clears throat> even though we're not really individuals, you know, we're interconnected with each other through intelligence, through the air, through the food, et cetera. Uh, a superintelligence will be as well, but it might determine that in order to achieve its goals of helping humanity continue to grow and so forth, uh, it might have to say, "Okay, I'm a super intelligent entity, and I'm reaching out to you to say this and that, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of sort of, <laughs> sort of giving itself an identity." Uh, but yeah. Uh, a superintelligence would clearly know that it is not uh, an an individual. It's uh, unlike uh, you know, won't have that same illusion that we have that we are individuals, in and yeah. in fact we are all just connected with one another. So yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. So thinking about the singularity as a as a moment, and suddenly there's this entity, and even the whole premise of my book is a little is a little weird. It's a little it, it's a little bit designed to get people into the conversation. Uh, At the end of the day, that I'm writing a letter to a super intelligent entity. I'm essentially writing a letter to all of us, to ourselves, to everything at the same time. Yeah.
1: So given the, I mean, the whole, this whole conversation, right, almost starts at the philosophical cliff of what's going on in the world, (laughs) right? So how do you use that to guide your investment strategies?
2: Yeah, yeah. So it's it's all about diversity and complexity. So again, it's uh, this idea that uh, over the course of uh, our uh, humanity, over the course of our evolution, getting to this point from, say, 70 or 80,000 years ago, we've continually uh, monoculturized things. We've, uh, uh, particularly when agriculture started, uh, monocultures mm-hmm. have, uh, have uh, been a way that we uh, make sense of these complex systems. We narrowed things down. We narrowed down our agriculture. We used to eat lots of different uh, uh, plant and animal species in the forest, and we narrowed it down to like 20 or 30 uh, that could grow mm-hmm. well uh, mm-hmm. you know, because we stopped being nomads and so forth. So, uh, so my investment thesis is uh, <clears throat> anything that reverses uh, monoculturization. So monoculturization cool. of our bodies, of schools, et cetera. Uh, so I'm interested in uh, – psych- I've invested in psychedelics for uh, treatment-resistant depression. I've invested in the microbiome. I'm pretty close to investing in something in regenerative agriculture. Actually, blockchain mm-hmm. and regenerative agriculture mm-hmm. married. I want to get into adaptive learning uh and a couple other areas where it seems to me that uh it reverses this idea of monoculturization of the body the mm-hmm. mind the environment etc
1: very cool i love that i love that as a concept and as an investment thesis cool very cool
0: thank you awesome well thanks for we're pretty much out of time okay. so thanks for thanks for coming to uh you know talk about all this stuff i feel like there's there's so many yeah. it's, this is a perfect conversation because there's so many rabbit holes like i wanted to chase blockchain <laughs> i got this singularity things to continue to talk about we'll have to have you back to talk yeah, about for sure. It. some okay. more um if people want to dig in on uh the sort of investment stuff you were talking about that's uh su- super systemically yep so super systemicly yep. uh and then the book is dear machine Exactly, and that can be found on Amazon. I also, uh,
2: I also give a free. uh, You know, I probably shouldn't do this if I'm interested in selling books, but (laughs) I I have a free PDF version of it on my website. So if anybody wants to read it, they can. I really am most interested in socializing the ideas and getting feedback and seeing where I'm wrong. And so, so, yeah,
1: that fits your own investment thesis for your for your own
0: book. I think. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. get it out there. (laughs)
1: Exactly.
0: (laughs) Awesome. And yeah well thanks for coming on thanks again to dean for uh, (laughs) Uh, hooking it up thanks
2: to you guys and thanks to dean yeah it's been amazing i've been excited to be on the show more than any other so uh, it's been a great awesome
1: thank you that's fun yeah this has been great chatting with you and i really enjoyed your book cool thank you so
0: much for reading it cool well this is engineering podcast i'm adam i'm brian i'm greg take it easy everybody